Good morning. Can you guys see me? I feel like I'm glowing today. I think I got a, a, a little bit of a sunburn yesterday. So this will cover all fear and embarrassment. Now you won't know what I'm experiencing. Um, I would just like to point out that I did not think this far ahead. Somebody else was helping me in the text. So somebody read ahead, but I really appreciate it. Uh, we got a, a, a blade of grass. Is this wheat? Barley? This, uh, I don't know, but it's got a ton of seeds on it. Uh, I need somebody to count all these for me. Oh, man, no volunteers. This is awesome. At any point in your life, in your walk with the Lord, or in, in your experience with life, have you found God's plan to be a little frustrating? And don't you don't have to answer. You can just nod in your head. It's all right. Um, but, you know, we were working through some stuff in life, and um, one of the things that I have never really appreciated about God and, and how He works, and that sounds horrible, but just follow with me, um, is His timing. Uh, I, I don't know if that you've experienced that in your life, um, but I was talking with Don Anderson over um, a, a meal one time, and in my frustration, I made the comment, isn't it strange how the creator of time wears no watch? And I don't know if you've ever noticed that about God. He, he never seems to be late, but he is rarely early and never on my time. Have you ever, have you experienced that? Well, when we think about this whole growth, spiritual growth process and the seed that we're going to watch this growing process, there seems to be a mystery in that that is by design that God put in place, and, and He allows this stuff to happen, and we're going to wrestle through the implications of that today a little bit. And But I love how the Mark ends this process, that it ends with a harvest, and um, there's a completion to it. So as we think about the implications of how this applies to our lives and the process in which we may find ourselves in, in the spiritual growth realm of life, um, I do want to encourage you. It'll end. Isn't that encouraging? Oh, we just don't always get to choose when and how soon and all of those things. My uh, growth process seems to be continuing in uh, different areas of my life. I uh, I don't like being incapacitated. You know, I, I'm not sure if you've got to do that recently. Um, I had people over helping me this weekend, and we were doing a lot of projects. And all of a sudden, I decided that I, I should probably go and, and talk to the toilet for a while because um, I felt like I was going to throw up. And I went and got sick. Like, I don't know if I just overworked, didn't have enough. Who knows? I eat such healthy lifestyle, you know. Um, this is water. It's untainted water. I'll let you, would you like to? This is water. But I got sick. And I found myself sitting on the couch, dizzy, wanting to throw up. Uh, trying to think through how I was going to illustrate for you um, or how we were going to talk about this whole waiting on God thing and this being patient for him to do the spiritual growth stuff in our life. 
angry because there were people outside of my house helping me do work that I should have been out doing. And I don't know what it is about me or the pride that's in my heart, but that's one of the worst places for me to be. And uh, anyway, so I was pretty frustrated with God's plan and timing and that that would happen. And and some of you are in the medical field. You could probably figure out what was wrong with me. Um, It's not a small thing. But on that particular day, it probably was. Would you turn with me and Mark this morning into chapter four? We are going to engage and wrestle with this idea of being seed and the seed being scattered and, and this growth process. I want you to know that this is actually the only gospel where this parable is, is shared with us. Neither of the other three gospel writers actually share this parable. Um, and so it's unique to Mark. And um, I believe that it's especially um, valuable in the context of this kingdom of God that he seems to be uh, explaining or trying to invite us in to understand and to see. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. I want to communicate right up front. There's several applications or implications in this process that we're not going to get all the way through. Uh, we're going to we're going to take a walk down a, a couple of ideas here and and wrestle with it. Um, but the very first is there's a clear mystery of growth in the seed, right? There, there's a clear mystery in how this happens. Uh, in fact, if if we were to make a plan, if we were to contemplate for ourselves, how would I design a system to work? My first thought would not be, I'm going to design life and growth to happen out of death. Right? That's not how, I mean, am I the only one that's nuts on this or you guys agree with me? If, if I'm building something and, and, and creating something to produce life, it, it, in, in my natural mind, it makes no sense to have death as part of the process of growth and harvest and multiplication of harvest. And yet, in God's design, that's clearly what he did. We know that from the seed, right? When you plant a seed into the ground, what does it do? Well, first it dies. But yes, some of you said die, right? Okay, good. For some reason, I'm not hearing you as well. I guess you'll have to speak up. God's design was in that moment uh, uh, intentionally done. And I don't think, I honestly don't believe this is how it happened. I don't believe that God was going around planting all the earth stuff and, 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 and creating animals and doing all this stuff. And he goes, oh man, you know what? That, that wheat thing, that would be a great spiritual illustration. I'll have to have somebody write about it. I don't think he did that. I believe that God, by intention, designed the, the, the process of reproduction, the process of fruit being produced. And I, by the way, I'm making a huge mess up here, so I apologize. I'll have to clean that up later. There's dirt everywhere. Um, but when, when that process happened, I don't think God did that by accident. I don't think he was watching it and, and went, oh, that's a great idea. I think he built the the system of life that happens when when a seed is planted in the ground and it dies and it reproduces fruit intentionally for you and for me to understand what he would be doing with us in our spiritual lives. 
And then it's done by on purpose and, and with a plan. I think the hardest part for me is that this growth process happens over time. Uh, I don't know if it's just our our, our my culture, my growing up culture, um, but I really loved the microwave. I got to tell you, we were cooking on a wood cook stove when my mom and dad bought our first microwave, and that's a that's that's not a normal jump. That's not a normal technology jump. You know that they actually had gas and electric ranges between those two items which really were an improvement. And so we went from having a wood cook stove that we, were, we cooked all of our meals on at what time. I, my parents went through this thing where we were trying to, you know, like be like old timers or something. I think I, think I thought the government was going to collapse and we all needed to survive something. I have no idea. I was young. And all I remember was bringing in a lot of firewood to, to, to make the wood cook stove work. So we had the microwave. And it was incredible, wasn't it? Isn't it? Don't you guys love the microwave? Love the microwave. But, you know, there's a process in having technology, and it probably applies to this. I just thought about this. The, the, the slow growth process is probably helpful for us, even though I don't, don't always appreciate it. Because when I got the microwave, I didn't take the time to learn how to use it properly. Turns out when you put micro, uh, macaroni and cheese into the pan that you normally use to do on the wood cook stove... Um, Really bad things happen in those old microwaves. You didn't have a microwave for very long. So anyway, uh, I uh, melted some stuff. And it wasn't just the cheese. That was part of my learning experience. But I got to tell you, the culture of that idea, the idea that you can, you can take something and just throw it in the microwave, hit a button, and have it produce. We're so, we are so bent on that, you guys, now, that our microwaves automatically give us time frames. We don't even have to take the time to tell it how long to cook anymore. What are you doing, popcorn? Just hit the button. Do you want to just warm something up? You can choose one minute or 30 seconds with just a touch of the button. Isn't that nuts? There's a process of time that happens in this design and growth that God gives us. There's probably an element of grace that is involved there. Because if he were to snap us into line to who we will be when we enter glory, we would probably just... James 5 tells us about that just a little bit. James 5, chapter 7. Chapter 5, verse 7. says this be patient therefore brothers until the lord until the coming of the lord see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains you also be patient establish your hearts for the coming of the lord is at hand do not grumble against one another brothers so that you may not be judged behold the judge is standing at the door as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, 
do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Here James is challenging the church, and he's referencing this idea of, of waiting on the harvest. And the reason I read all of that passage is I wanted us to catch the picture, the, the scope of why he can encourage the believers to be patient. They're under persecution, right? The, the, the church at that time is suffering for their faith. And yet he tells them to be as patient as the farmer who's waiting for the harvest. Now, how many of you have farmed? Let's just say grown in your, something in your garden. Sorry. <laughs> so you're like, yeah, I got to get out of here and go mow the back 40. Um, but when we, when we do those things, right, how many of us are really good at being patient and waiting for it to happen? But there's, a, there's an outcome when we're farming, when you're harvesting crops, that if you go too soon, you end up not getting the fruit. If you, if you wait too long, it's, it t- tends to not be very good either. So there's an important aspect to the time frame in which this process happens. But I love part of what the reason I love the text where James encourages us, he reminds us of the coming of the Lord. That in the midst of these things, in the midst of the waiting, and in the midst of the life growth process, whatever the spiritual stuff we're doing, there's an end coming. There's a particular result that is being metered out, that is being watched and measured, and it's going to happen. And he even references that he's coming soon. And we should have the same hope when we see the things that we're experiencing in this life. We're going to get back to that. We're not, we're not going to end there because we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit more at the harvest. An interesting thing about seed is I was wrestling with this. We're going to take just a second and, and look a little bit about seed and kind of its purpose. But isn't it interesting that a seed's not very spectacular? Have you noticed? Do you know that that flies in the face of my personality? I like to stand out. I don't like the idea of being not very special. And yet, a seed's not very spectacular. You know what the problem with being a disciple of Jesus is? If if he hadn't told us to follow his example, we'd be okay. Right? If he hadn't just meddled with our lives and says, say something along the lines, you've, you've got to be like me. We're not going to look at that exact text because, you know, we, we've been, I feel like we've been doing this a bunch recently. But there is a text I want to look at this morning. It's Luke chapter 6, verses 7, 37 through 42. And it's an interesting text, and it points us, I think, to the, to the idea that although the seed may not be very spectacular, um, in, in, in reference to this, I'm talking about us, and I believe the text is talking about us, we have an incredible purpose. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. We're actually going to pick up one of the texts that we read last week and, and, and continue it. Verse 37, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? 
A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you, you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. It's interesting as we consider what it means to be an, a, a seed, to not be spectacular, but in that process, we have a very a particular purpose, and it's to be like our teacher. It's to produce a fruit in kind to that which we are grafted into or like, and we're called to be sons of God. We are called, we're told that we are sons of God, and we're called to follow Jesus. And it's interesting in this, in this context, when he's challenging brothers and how we interact together, he references that when we are fully trained, we will be like our teacher. What's the growth process for in our lives? To make us like Jesus. To take what is in us that does not align with him and to exchange it for him. Is there hope in that? Sometimes we have to re be reminded that, um, that there is hope and that, that there is an end to this process. The second aspect of the, the seed not being spectacular, yes, we have a purpose. There's a specific purpose. Um, but the second part to that is that the seed also must die. Probably our least favorite uh, part of the spiritual growth walk and, and process in this life is this idea that, that the seed must die. John chapter 12, verse 24 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this earth will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The beauty of the kingdom of God is that to die on this earth, to die to the fleshly desires of our body, to choose to be live in obedience and follow Jesus results in a glorious, glorious end. To be in his presence. To be children of God. Challenge is, we get pretty distracted by this life, don't we? was wrestling with this the other day, and I realized, you know what? I'm only present right now. Isn't that the weirdest thing? I have all this history. I have, I have memories, but it seems like all the pressure, everything that I'm experiencing is, is like right here, right in front of me today. Do you guys ever have that moment where you realize even what I thought I was pretty spectacular as a young man, it's like, I, it's not, it, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I was bent over uh, raking out gravel on uh, 
on, I don't remember what day it was. What day did I get sick? Sometime last week. Um, I'm, I bent over, got my knee pads on, and I'm, I'm making my gravel flat out around my shop. Whew, make it look so good. Make it look so good. And I'm like, next thing I know, I'm, what in the world's going on? This is I'm not supposed to happen. I've even been exercising and eating better. I used to be able to work all day in that environment. Not anymore. Are you distracted by now? Is everything, are the things in, in your life right now, are they so significant that we're losing sight of the end? That we're losing sight of the destination, the completion of the process that God has us in? To be the seed, we have to recognize that we're not very spectacular. We have a purpose and we must die. So what's the purpose of the seed then for you and for me? I want to share with you. At first, I thought I had this really cool analogy, and I was like, I was going to like really bash on flowers. Some of you love flowers, and you're like, I realized that was a bad idea because uh, I mentioned it to a couple people, and I'm like, no, you're wrong. And so I said, whoa, <laughs> I better rethink what I'm thinking. And so, but but in the context of this whole idea of producing fruit, what do flowers produce? For what? To reproduce more flowers that look good for a minute, and then they're gone, right? What's the purpose of a flower? Man, see, I'm glad I didn't do what I was going to do. You guys would have shot me. Now, I got to, here, so let me just, I'll just, I'll just share with you why I'm, why I'm a guy. Um, I'll be really honest with you. I don't see a great deal of value out of flowers. Now, some of you are not sure if you can continue to pray with me anymore. I realize this. Let me share with you why. Okay? I, I, there are things that are beautiful to me, and some flowers are. What I realized as I was wrestling through this whole thing, I was so focused on trying to, trying to illustrate the value of the seed, the value of the reproduction of the seed, that I forfeit, I forfeit the value of a momentary blink, if you will, of, uh, of radiant beauty in God's design. Because what do flowers reflect when we see them and we recognize the beauty and the, the unique ornateness of different flowers and all of their stuff? If we know God, if he sits right in our, in our worldview, then we say, wow, you are amazing. And the purpose of the flower, although only for a moment, is still grand and glorious in the scope of an eternal God, right? And so I can't use flowers as like the, the, the opposite of, uh, of a fruit-producing uh, harvest-type product because it doesn't work. They're bent for two different things. But in the context of the purpose of seed and understanding that it's by a good design, it's important for us to recognize that truth. That God has some seed that he intentionally just brought on this earth for, for, for a short period of time to reflect his glory. And then there's others seed that he places here that is supposed to produce fruit and be pretty insignificant. How many of you look at this and go, wow, that's beautiful. There's got to be one or two farmers out here going, well, yeah, that's beautiful. Man, look at that thing. 
That's what my dad would say. You guys need to know my, my stepdad. I, I love him to death. And we tease him every now and then because we'll be driving through big open farm fields. And he'll look out into a, into a lake of alfalfa. And I go, man, that's a fine field of alfalfa. That's my dad. And so my, my kids, every now and then, we tease him. We drive by any kind of field. And we're like, that's one fine field of alfalfa there, Grandpa. And, uh, but it's because it's his perspective. He values, he values that, that product. Well, we tease him like that every now and then. We give him the wrong stuff. But there's a purpose for the seed. There's a value behind it. And the purpose for the seed that, that we're talking about in this, it's to produce its fruit. It's to produce the fruit that it's designed to produce. And, and the, the most interesting thing about the, the fruit that we're called to produce and the way in which we're supposed to do this, well, first let's look at the production of fruit, then we'll talk about the other. Look in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. We're going to see this idea of, of how fruit is based, it's by design, and it's in accordance with who, who it is or who the root, the, the source of the fruit is. Uh, verse 15 of chapter 7 in Matthew, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the, but the diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in... Excuse me, let me correct that. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit." There, we are. We bear the fruit based on who we are, but based on based on who we are grafted into, right? We know that in, in John fifteen that he says he is the vine and we are the branches. We understand that principle. It's important for us from time to time, though, to evaluate the fruit that's in our lives. If we understand this truth, then it's important for us to say, "Okay, Lord, is that true about me? What is the fruit that's being produced in my life?" You ever had that moment where you get you realize that uh, I'm going to set this down here before I make a mess bigger. I have not. I mean, I haven't confessed anything recently, have I? I, I had a failure yesterday. And uh, just, well, one particularly that monumental that um, everybody, people around me saw. So most, you know, most of us as good Christians, we're good at failing in our heads and not, oh, it doesn't always get out, but every now and then we do something and it gets out. And uh, if you guys would be really embarrassed. So. I lost my temper yesterday on my motorcycle, and it's it's in in this thing about bearing good fruit and bad fruit. And uh, surprisingly, I wasn't feeling guilty about it till just now. I'm pretty sure this is your guys' fault. So 
some kid decided it would be funny to try and scare me and, and fake to swerve in front of me as I was riding the other direction. So, you know, as I'm pulling up next to him, he does this. And he didn't actually grab his steering wheel, but he made it look like he did. I indicated his position in my life instantaneously. Like, I didn't even think about it. All of a sudden, my hand was up in the air, and I was waving at him. I, I didn't think about it. Like, I'm, I'm on my motorcycle, and I realized, wow, that happened very quickly. And, and I, was very, I was pretty upset at the kid. I mean, I was, I was not, I didn't handle it well. Um, man, boy, it just sneaks up and grabs you, doesn't it? So even when we think we got a hold of this stuff, uh, life can, the, the circumstances of life can grab us and, and our fruit's produced. Our, our fruit is exposed and, and we see it. And so I guess the reality is like me right now, is you see the fruit, you, you realize that you probably need to go back and make some stuff. I'm going to see if I can find that kid and go and apologize to him. No, I'm not. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. This is a larger passage we're going to look at real quick. I just, I want to, I want to encourage you that even though um, we have these things, these struggles, that we're, we're really challenged to see the fruit in our lives and, and to evaluate it and, and to turn our eyes, to, to, to put our heads and our face towards Christ in this process. Look at Colossians 3, Paul says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, uh, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Sith, slave-free. But Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. The problem with being seed and, and the fruit that we produce is that our fruit reveals where our hearts are really at. 
And the challenge in this process is that we are not, we're not to serve ourselves. Seed is, is not self-serving. Because if it was, it would fight to stay alive, right? Look at what Jesus says about how we are to live our lives if we follow him. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. But Jesus called them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But who, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Greatest challenge in us trusting God in this process and following him in his growth process, this seed growing process, is that we are to follow Jesus' example, I think. That makes it very challenging because even he modeled in his life being the son of the very son of God. He modeled dying to himself and serving one another, serving others. So what's the fruit that we're producing? What's the purpose of our, of our existence other than to produce fruit and to serve and follow Jesus? I think those are the great purposes, but there's beauty in this. And that is that there's a harvest coming. That there is a day where the Lord is going to return and these things, these challenges, this life that we live, all the difficulties that we experience, all the wonders and joys that we share will pale in comparison to the presence and glory of God the Father. In that beautiful, beautiful day, we have hope. Mark reminds us that at the harvest, there will be a sickle placed to the ripe fruit to, to, to put an end to these things. Revelation 14, verses 14 through 16 says this. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the, thr- on the cloud, one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. There is an end coming. There's a hope. There's a time frame. It's going to happen. There's a completion to this. The beauty is, is that God's not in a hurry. Aren't we in a hurry? Oh, we're in such a hurry. We'd love for him to fix all the problems of our country. You know, I, I think sometimes we'd even think if he would just, if he would just solve kind of how our country's behaving, we could tolerate it a little bit longer, right? Oh, some of you don't want to enter into that conversation. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's true for me. If my Christian freedoms would be allowed to be to to be let alone, and I I was allowed to to teach, and 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 we were allowed to 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 live and 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 have Christian laws put in place, and God glorified in our country, I I'd probably be thinking, yeah, a couple more years, Lord, we're okay. That's the truth. And yeah, we don't get to make that call. In fact, to the best of our ability, we can't even fix what's going on. But we can be seeds that produce fruit. 
we can be seeds that produce fruit right here in Liberty Lake or Post Falls or Spokane, wherever it is God has you planted. We can be seeds that produce the fruit that models and reflects the glory of God our Father who gives us life and sustains this life. I want to end with this passage, one of my favorite passages. If you are discouraged this morning because you feel like it's never going to end, you feel like this process just keeps going on and on and on, I want to share with you um, just a great passage. It's 2 Peter 3, 9. Look what Peter says to the brothers and sisters that he's writing his letter to in 2 Peter. Again, don't forget, these are Christians that are suffering for their faith, being executed and, and punished for being Christians. He says this in verse 9 of chapter 3, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I love that because it reminds us that God's patience in returning is focused not only on His plan for the world, but you and I somehow fall into that that focus, that He wants us to be part of the production of fruit, that He wants us to be part of this process, and that His heart that none should perish causes Him to wait till it's ready till the harvest is full. We have a God who is tending the gardens of souls, who has planted us among, among ground that, that at times is not fertile for growth. At times it's, it's the path or the, the, the rocky soil or the thorny, the thorny soils, whatever those things are. He's planted us in those places it, with, as a God who knows the time. He's got his eye watching everything that's happened, and he's done this by design so that you and I, as his children, would reflect the glory of our Father and, and have the opportunity to produce a harvest that is 30, 60, and 100-fold that of which we are in ourselves. But He's also doing it in a way to cause us to grow to be more like Jesus. What a spectacular truth that not only can He do things for the entire world and for, for, for a universal perspective, but in the midst of doing those grand things, he's also individually working in you and in me to produce these, these truths and produce this fruit that is in line with who Christ is. Isn't that incredible? At what point did you go through your baskets of seeds before you put them in the garden and said, healthy, not healthy, healthy, not healthy, healthy, not healthy, healthy, not healthy. Oh, you've got a different spot than last week. Huh, that's interesting. When do you need to do something special? When have you gone through your bag of seeds and done that? And yet God says he knows every head, hair on the head of those of which he created. He intimately knows you and me. And he knows exactly what we need. And as a good father, he is doing that today. Where are you at in the growth process? I don't know. but we have a faithful God who's growing us. We have a faithful God who has given us a foundation that is good. And as his children, we have the privilege of being in this process together. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Father, we...
want to surrender to the process of growth that you have called us to. Lord, I, I've, I've admitted today my own personal struggles. I, you know where my heart's at, the, the times that I want to call all the shots and make all the plans and, and even, Lord, how spectacular I would like to be. And yet in the kingdom of a holy, eternal, magnificent, all-knowing, infinite God, I am more because I'm in you than I will ever need to be in any other setting. God, would you help that truth to be established in my heart? That I would not hold on to the things of this life and I would not hold on to the, cons- the cares and concerns of this life where they would become an, Id- an idol and therefore take the worship that belongs to you. God, whether you have planted us as flowers or you've planted us of head- as heads of wheat, would you help us to embrace with joy the opportunity to be your seed, to be in your kingdom, to be your creation? and to glorify you as our God. Thank you for your love and mercy and all that you do in your name.